What's up, my Forgotten History Nerds? Welcome to the Forgotten History Nerds podcast, where each week I'm going to be taking you on a special in-depth look at a place, a figure, an event, or a custom that has largely been forgotten or neglected by the mainstream version of history that they taught you in school. As always, I am your host of this fine historical program, M. V. Genzali. This episode is the first in a mini-series dedicated to the stories of the other White Star Line vessels that met with tragedy in one form or another. What? Did you think that the Titanic was the only White Star Line ship to meet a tragic fate? Oh, not by a long shot. Well over a dozen White Star Line vessels would meet unfortunate fates. The Atlantic, the Britannic, the Republic, the Arabic, just to name a few. All of which we will get to in time. For now, I wanted to start off this miniseries with perhaps the most puzzling of all the White Star Line tragedies. This is the story of the disappearance of the SS Neuronic. Yard number 251. The Neuronic cost around 121,000 pounds to build. This is in 1892 British pounds, mind you. Today, that number would equate to something along the lines of 16 million pounds, I believe. At the time of her completion, the SS Neuronic was the largest steam cargo ship in the world. From the tip of her bow to the end of her stern, she measured 470 feet long. Her width, or as it's known in nautical terms, beam measured 53 feet wide. She possessed 10 watertight compartments. This is relatively the same design as her sister ship, the SS Bovik, though the Neuronic was slightly larger, in the same way that Titanic was barely larger than her sister ship, the Olympic, and it wasn't really noticeable at all unless you were architect or really paid attention to it. Speaking of the SS Bovik, no photographs of the SS Neurotic are known to exist. If there are, I wasn't able to find any, and I dug very deep in my research for this episode. Therefore, in much the same way that the Olympics Grand Staircase is used as the Titanic's Grand Staircase in photographs, because there are no photographs of the Titanic's Grand Staircase known to exist, the SS Bovik is used as a substitute of the Naronic in photos to illustrate what it looked like. If you're here from the Forgotten History Nerds Instagram, after I advertise this podcast, that photo you're looking at is of the SS Bovik, not the Naronic. Anyways... At its best, the Neuronic could travel 13 knots an hour. Now, if you're thinking that's not very fast by today's or, well, even back then standards, you're absolutely right. It wasn't very fast at all. It most certainly wasn't going to be winning any blue ribbons. If you don't know what a blue ribbon is, it's basically an old speed award held by passenger liners who completed Atlantic crossings. The final holder of which is the SS United States. Still technically holds the record to this day, by the way. Now then again, our ship here wasn't designed for speed. The ship's primary purpose was to deliver cargo, mainly that of livestock across the Atlantic. If need be, over a thousand head of cattle, according to one source I found. Anyways, I've also been told that sheep and equine were also known to have sailed on the ship, but cattle was their main product they'd deliver over there. Her route was mainly from the United States to Europe, New York-Liverpool-esque. At the time, transporting cattle across the Atlantic was a very lucrative business that the White Star Line wanted a piece of. Unfortunately, conditions for the animals on such ships like this were notoriously horrendous, to the point where many of them were not surviving the crossings. The conditions for the animals on board the Naronic, however, were actually a Above average for the time, they even had ventilation shafts for relative fresh air, something you didn't have a lot of in boats like this. That's not to say, however, that the Neuronic 
couldn't handle passengers on, say, a transatlantic crossing, just a small number of them compared to their counterparts, the ship was equipped with additional accommodations to transport some 150 first-class type passengers across the Atlantic should a non-New York-based transatlantic voyage arise. On May 26, 1892, she would be launched successfully. Almost two months later, on the 15th of July, 1892, the same day, by the way, that 83 years later, the Apollo-Soyuz mission from Episode 1 would be launched. Eh, remember that? Coincidence? Well, yes it is, really. I just thought it'd be a fun little nod to the first episode to acknowledge this. Anyways, on the date of the 15th of July, 1892, the Neuronic began her successful maiden voyage, departing the port of Liverpool. She would arrive in New York the week afterwards on the 24th of July, 1892. She would go on to complete a further five successful trips. Keyword to note here, successful. On February 11th, 1893, the SS Neuronic dropped off her harbor pilot in Wales and then set sail for New York. She was at the command of Captain William Roberts. Roberts was a 20-year-plus veteran captain of the White Star Line and in general. He was very respected in his field, and at the time of the voyage, he was nearing retirement, or at least considering it, according to one of the sources I found for this. Hmm, a 20-year-plus captain of the White Star Line close to retirement. Why does that sound so familiar? Anyways, back to the neurotic. On board, she carried 74 known, keyword here is known, crew members, 50 of whom were general crew members, 14 of them were cattlemen, the final 10 of them were horse traders. Her cargo consisted of 1,017 tons of coal from Wales. Amongst her 3,600 tons of general cargo included things such as potassium chlorinate, at least according to the ship's manifest. More on that to come later. She carried no radio or any other wire communication device those are still a few years away from existence anyways after this date she was never seen again none of her crew were ever heard or seen again officially either the general consensus and what i personally believe is that she sank along her journey somewhere in the northern atlantic ocean the cause however of her sinking remains a topic debated to this very day we'll get to a few of those in a moment first we have a few potential clues to discuss on march 4th 1893 just under under a month after the Neuronic's last known sighting, at around 2 a.m., the crew on board the Silverite Bacon Line steamer, the SS Conventry, found something of interest. Floating in the water was a capsized lifeboat bearing the name Neuronic on its side. The crew listed the coordinates as 47 degrees north, 47.37 degrees west. Ironically, nearby is where the Titanic would sink a little under two decades later. Well, relatively speaking, nearby. 90 miles if you're being precise. But if you're talking about an ocean, that's relatively close by. I mean, to put it in perspective, when the Titanic struck the iceberg, the Carpathia was about 67 miles away. Anyways, less than a day later at precisely 2pm, another lifeboat bearing the name Neuronic was spotted by the Conventry's crew. This time it was upright with a fair amount of water inside of it. Its mast and sail were still attached to the lifeboat via a tiny, tiny little line. Two weeks later, the Chicago, a British ship, reported having encountered what looked like a spar in the northern Atlantic 
Atlantic, not too, too far away from where the lifeboats were found. If you're wondering what a spar is, it's essentially a wooden pole from a ship. Whether or not it belonged to the Naronic is a question that will never be solved. See, for some reason, the Chicago's crew didn't even bother to attempt to obtain it and just went on their merry way after spotting it. It's one of those like, oh, look at that. That's really interesting. I should take note of that. Anyways, no ship was sent to search for the SS Neurotic or her crew. The closest thing I could find to a search party was the White Star Line sending their other ship, the Teutonic, a bit more south on its voyage bound for New York to where the Neurotic was believed to have been lost. Unsurprisingly, they found absolutely nothing. On March 3rd, 1893, less than a month after she disappeared, a potential clue as to the Neurotic's fate was found. A yellow bottle had washed up on shore in Bay Ridge, New York. Bay Ridge is a neighborhood in Brooklyn, if you're curious as to what it is. Anyways, the message inside the bottle is as follows. Quote, Feb 19, 1893, neurotic sinking, all hands praying, God have mercy on us, L. Winzel, unquote. Remember, it was the day afterwards on March 4th, 1893 where the two lifeboats were found our next clue was another message in a bottle found less than a month later washed up on the shores of an ocean resort in norfolk virginia the message reads as follows quote 3 10 a.m feb 19 ss neurotic at sea to who picks this up Report when you find this to our agents, if not heard of before, that our ship is sinking fast beneath the waves. It's such a storm that we can never live in the small boats. One boat has already gone with her human cargo below. God let all of us live through this. We were struck by an iceberg in a blinding snowstorm and floated two hours. Now it's 3.20 a.m. by my watch and the great ship is dead level with the sea. Report to the agents at Broadway, New York, New York. M. Kersney and Company. Goodbye all. John Olson. Cattleman. Unquote. A third message in a bottle claiming to be from the Neurotic was found floating in the Irish Channel in June 1893 by a sailor. It read, quote, struck iceberg, sinking fast, Neurotic, young, unquote. The final message in a bottle claiming to be from the Neurotic was found floating in the Mersey River in September of the same year. It read, quote, all hands lost, neuronic, no time to say more, T, unquote. This seems like an open and shut case, doesn't it? The SS Neuronic got caught in a debilitating storm, struck an iceberg, and sank to the bottom of the ocean on February 19th, 1893. Yes, wrong, or at least not necessarily. Because here's the thing, the authenticity of each of the four messages has been seriously called into question. The messages were signed with the names L. Winzel, John Olson, Young, and T. respectively. None of those names were on the official passenger list for the voyage. For the same reason, the inquiry into the disappearance dismissed all of them entirely. There were names kinda similar to some of them, but not exactly. There were two Johns on boards. One of them was named John O. The other John was named John Watson. The John O was named John O'Hara. Both of them were cattlemen though. There was no one with the name beginning with the letter T. All I could find were two people on board named Christopher Teskey? Tesk? I hope I pronounced that name right. And a crew member named William Tobin, who was a cattleman. And unsurprisingly, looking at the passenger manifest, I was not able to find anyone with the name Young. Now, since this is only our second ever meeting, you might not know that I'm a big museum man. I like to know where historical relics are, especially as they relate to an episode story. For this though, I was unable to find the 
current whereabouts of any of the four bottled messages. I couldn't find anything else on the matter after the dates of their discovery. They seem to have disappeared from the history books in the same manner that the SS Neuronic did. Oh, I should mention that bottle number one was found only a day after the story was discussed in a New York Times article. My point here being that the Neuronic's mystery was a big story talked about at the time. Sorry if that's kind of shoehorned in there, I just forgot to talk about it. Anyways, to be fair, at least one of the bottled messages may in fact be authentic. Here's the thing, passenger manifests at the time were not the most accurate things to say the least. Many of them were riddled with mistakes, or just straight up misinformation. The Titanic and Lusitania's manifest being two prominent examples, both had multiple mistakes in them, so it is quite possible that one of the message supposed signers was really on board the neurotic at the time of the disappearance slash sinking. Oh boy, lucky them, huh? There are two pieces of evidence as to the possible validity of the message found in the second bottle. The first thing is that in the message they mentioned a White Star Line office in Broadway in New York. That's absolutely true. That was absolutely true. At the time, the White Star Line did have a headquarters on Broadway. I've even seen its modern remnant myself. Second, and perhaps most strikingly, was the mention of M. Kersney. I did some digging into some old records and discovered that yes, in fact, there was an M. Kersney who worked as an agent at the Broadway offices for the White Star Line, and H. Maitland Kersley to be exact. I also found an old newspaper advertisement for the Transatlantic Livestock Journey from January of 1893. Have yourself a listen to this. White Star Line, Livestock and Cargo Steamers, Liverpool and New York, Regular Weekly Sailings, Bovic, Twin Screw, 6,583 tons, Neurotic, Twin Screw, 6,594 tons, Suffolk, 4,639 tons, Nomadic, Twin Screw, 5,780 tons, Tarek, Twin Screw, 5,780 tons, Runic, 4,649 tons, Specified Atlantic Lane Routes Throughout the Year, Large and Powerful Steamers Specifically Constructed for the Safe, Comfortable, and Speedy Conveyance of Livestock Included Horses, Ponies, Sheep, Etc. Efficient Fan and Hatch Ventilation, Electric Light and Water Supply on Each Deck, All Stock Landed at the Company's New York Pier, Free Transfer Car Load Loans to Railroads in Stock Cars, Lowest Currency Rates, For Further Particular Apply to Ismay, Empire and Co. 10 Water Street, Liverpool, or to H. Maitland Kersney, Agent 29, Broadway, New York. Did you catch that? At the end there, H. Maitland Kersney, M. Kersney, White Star Line Broadway offices. Now, in 1883, there was no such thing as Google, MSN, or even the fossil known as Bing, let alone an internet. If you don't understand what I'm saying here, my point is that this information wasn't anything you could just casually find in the span of a few minutes, unless they talked about it in one of the articles about the neuronic sinking. I did not find anything of the sort in newspaper articles when I was researching this, but I was hardly able to find any newspaper articles from that time, so... Irregardless, my point is, this information wasn't something you could just easily find. I mean, how much do you know about the offices and officers of, say, Carnival Cruise Lines? Whoever wrote this knew what they were talking about. Or they saw a newspaper ad and kept it for a month or two and wanted to make a hoax. With what point exactly? The ocean is such an odd mistress. There's no guarantee a bottle like this would ever be found, period. You can predict. 
but not know for sure where something lost in the ocean could end up. Millions upon millions of different variables to account for with something like this. As for the iceberg theory, the Liverpool Court of Inquiry claimed that no icebergs were reported in the area that the neurotic was supposed to travel in. That's not necessarily the case. Icebergs were reported in the same general area by multiple British vessels. Some of them almost collided with them. The New York Times reported that the seas were uneasy at the time and place of the Neuronic's final voyage. The premise of a ship striking an iceberg and sinking is very, 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 very rare, mind you, though it isn't as far-fetched as it may initially seem either. Multiple ships would meet their end via an iceberg collision in the North Atlantic. A few examples would include the MV William Carson, the William Brown, allegedly the SS Pacific, and yes, the aforementioned ship of historically inaccurate claims of unsinkability. As I said, it is quite rare, but not impossible. Perhaps the Neurotic met the same fate as her White Star Line descendant. The SS Pacific, by the way, traveled a pretty close route to what the Neurotic would eventually travel, Liverpool to New York. Just throwing that one out there. Now, I'm sure I'll admit it's very much an odd time of the year for icebergs to be reported, especially in that general area. Nonetheless, conditions of greater magnitude transpired very nearby in the area where the Titanic would eventually strike the iceberg and sink during April, two months after February, where iceberg conditions are even more rare. The ocean is unpredictable. As I said, what may sound like a work of fiction may actually be the truth. Initially, the iceberg premise was believed as the cause by our friend M. Kersney and the White Star Line itself before being later refuted as quote-unquote untrue. Another possible explanation for the sinking of the SS Neuronic suggests a more explosive answer to our question. The manifest for the final voyage of the doomed ship made mention of potassium chlorinate. Remember that? PC can be very flammable and explosive under the right circumstances. It's also quite a dangerous thing to inhale, so keep that in mind. However, this theory is hardly ever brought up in discussions by experts as to a possible cause for the Neuronic's fate, so take it as you will. This could be one of those things that was just spread heavily by the press at the time. There was also a rumor of a terrorist attack being what did in the SS Neurotic, spread by the press, mind you. Let me give you some background information real quick. In 1905, a man by the name of Gregory Russell, also known by his alias Gessler Russo, was arrested for planting a crappily designed bomb on board the SS Umbria, a Cunard Line ship. Thankfully, it didn't hurt anyone, partially because of Russell's own ineptitude as a bomb maker. Russell was a domestic terrorist, so think of your Timothy McVeigh level of terrorist nutcase. Not long afterwards, the press tried to tie Russell to the neurotic sinking. Russell admitted absolutely no such involvement in the now decade-old case of the neuronic's fate. One press report I found claimed that after Russell was arrested, police raided his apartment, and in his room they found a piece of paper with the phrase, quote, the destruction of the neuronic was complete, unquote, on it. Granted, the reliability of said report is questionable at best. I should also make mention 
of the fact that Russell was in the United States at the time. Keep in mind that the neurotic left from Liverpool, England at the time of its disappearance, a whole ocean away from Russell. So I think it's safe to say that this dismisses his involvement entirely. The press also incorrectly claimed that the neurotic had been transporting over 150 people during the voyage, though this was quickly shot down by the White Star Line as untrue. All 74 known people on board at the time were crew members. One other theory as to the neurotics likely sinking came from the captain of the Runic, which was another White Star Line vessel. He claimed that a malfunctioning engine could have been the cause of the sinking. Basically, what he said was that because of the way the ship was designed, should one of its engines malfunction, one of her pistons could burst a massive hole into the ship. Other than this claim, though, I found no other evidence speaking on this particular matter. For some reason, the White Star Line didn't have insurance on the vessel. As a result, they were reported to have lost around 121,685 pounds. Adjusted for modern inflation, that is about 16,412,631.38 pence. Not a small amount of money. Oh, and that wasn't even the end of the prices of the sinking. Remember when I mentioned that there was many, many, many tons of cargo on board the ship? Well, that was uninsured too. Smart business decisions, huh? Of course, no amount of money could ever equate to the lives lost in the tragedy, nor ever console the friends and family members of the deceased who would never get an answer about what truly happened to their loved ones. We still don't have an answer. To this day, the wreckage of the SS Neuronic has never been found, not even a piece of it. No remains, not even a trace of remains were ever found of any of the 74 people known to have been on board the Neuronic at the time of her disappearance. No scrap of clothing, body part, life jacket, personal belongings, absolutely nothing. In recent years, the only update to this story is that the story now has a song about it. Yeah. In 2017, a band called Rusty Ship with two Ps released a song titled SS Neurotic, semi-detailing the events of this perplexity. Some of the lyrics are paraphrased from the mysterious messages and bottles found in its aftermath. It's a very unique song, I'll say. I can honestly say it's not like anything I've ever heard before. They describe their work as, quote, nautical rock, unquote. Whatever the hell that means. I am sorry I wasn't able to find anything more on the Neuronic's fate. When I was writing this episode, I dug up everything I could on the Neuronic. This was genuinely all that I could find. I wish I had a better note to end on here. I really do. I don't like ending things on unfulfilled mystery, because the natural sense of closure that we would normally get from studying history isn't there. But unfortunately, that's how the story of the SS Neurotic ends as of right now. The fate of the Neurotic is a tough nut to crack. It's quite possible possible that the ship's remains, wherever they may be, could never be found. The ocean is a unique yet cruel mistress with millions of secrets hidden away within her depths, but it's also quite possible that one day the neurotic could be found as well and her mystery solved. Only time will tell. Thank you guys so, 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 so much for watching slash listening. I really appreciate it. Thank you for giving me a chance. Thank you for giving Forgotten History Nerds a chance. If you really, 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 really like this podcast, please consider checking out my Patreon page. The only tier is for $5 a month. It helps out the show so much, and in exchange, I have lots of great 
daily content for you, including exclusive articles written by yours truly about some of the most bizarre things in all of history. I have a special article coming next week to tie in with the episode. If you really, 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 really like this podcast and just want to leave a one-time tip, please check out my Buy Me a Coffee page. Both are in the podcast description down below, and they're both named Forgotten History Nerds. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you. Join us again next week as we take a look at Operation Drumbeat, the World War II German plan to attack the United States East Coast with U-boats. It's such a fascinating tale that you won't want to miss. Trust me. I'm M.V. Ginzali, and this has been the Forgotten History Nerds Podcast. We'll see you later. Remember to always read in between the lines.